And welcome back to The Word Encounter. Uh, yesterday we wrapped up the book of Deuteronomy, and today we're going to start in the book of Joshua. We see that in the book of Joshua. First of all, we're not sure who the author was. Um, it could have been Joshua, but probably not. I don't know. Uh, and the reason I say that is because at the end of the book, uh, there's scripture written after Joshua has, has died. And so obviously he didn't write that. So we're not exactly sure who the author of Joshua uh, is. Uh, from a historical perspective, uh, the book of Joshua takes place after the death of Moses. Joshua was appointed to the leader as a successor to Moses because he has proved himself uh, faithful to the Lord, and he was the right man for the job at the right time. Uh, the book of Joshua takes place uh, about 1400 B.C., so that's about 1400 years before Christ appears on the scene. Uh, we find that uh, the lessons of the book of Joshua are twofold. Uh, first of all, God is faithful to keep his word. He's always faithful to keep his covenant, even though we don't always keep our covenant with him. He does with us. And the second being is that Joshua refused to succumb to the pressures of the culture, of the Israelite culture, what they wanted to do and whatnot. He was determined to uphold the tenets of the law of, of the Lord. And so um, he was determined to follow the Lord. And he, so he did not, he did not succumb. He did not give in to those pressures. And so those are a few of the takeaways uh, from the book of Joshua. And with that, let's get started with it. So we see in chapter 1, verse 1, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Verse 2, Moses, my ser servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads just as I promised Moses. And so he's telling uh, people, telling Joshua uh, uh, that you know, Moses is dead. Now remember, Moses went up to Mount Nebo by himself, and the Lord himself buried Moses. And so the people didn't know uh, exactly what was going on. And so he's recounting, you know, Moses is dead. And so <clears throat> we move on to verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. So this is a consistent theme here in chapter 1. Be strong and courageous. And so <clears throat> we move down to uh, verse 7. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my ser servant Moses commanded you. And so he's saying be strong and very courageous to observe all the tenets, laws, you know, policies, dictates and whatnot. He's saying being strong and courageous and following those. You know, do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. Keep it with you. Keep it on the forefront of your mind. <clears throat> For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. If you do this, you're going to succeed. Just listen to me. You're going to succeed. Verse 9, haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. There it is again. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You're about to go into a land that you don't know anything about. You know, you're not familiar with it. There's a natural tendency to, be, to have some fears and trepidation there. But he's saying, be strong and courageous, because I'm with you wherever you go. And in the last sentence in chapter 1, it says, above all, be strong and courageous. That's four times. 
the people are exhorted to be strong and courageous. In chapter 2, verse 1, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two, uh, two men as spies from the Arcasia Grove, saying, go and scout the land, especially Jericho. And so this should sound familiar because, you know, uh, Caleb and Joshua and 10 other guys went over to scout this same land, by the way. And uh, about 40 years previous, you know, except those guys came back with a bad report. So he sent two guys. So they left and they came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and they stayed there. They came to the house of a prostitute. They came to the house of a prostitute. The Lord is going to use a prostitute. The Lord can see inside the heart. You're going to come to the house of a prostitute of a prostitute because he knew that she would be faithful. And they stayed there. In verse 2, the king of Jericho was told, "Look, some of the uh some of the Israelite men have come here tonight to investigate uh, the land." Then the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab and said, bring out the men who came to you to enter your house, for they came to investigate the entire land. So obviously they were told, they were seen, these men were seen going into her house. And uh, so that's what the king of Jericho did in verse 4. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And then she told the men that came looking for him, oh, he's left, he's gone. He's, he went, they, he went out, uh, they went out the city gates. If you want them, you're going to have to go find them. And so we find two interesting things here, or one interesting thing here, two interesting, two interesting choices, one interesting thing. On one hand, she could have turned the men from the Lord over to these other men, and surely they would have been executed. Or she could lie to, to the men pursuing them and tell them where they're gone. You need to follow them somewhere else. And so either way, one could consider a sin. And so when faced with this, she lied to the men and told them to find them somewhere else. And so she chose the option that best glorified God. And essentially, when we come to these situations, in my opinion, that's what we're to do when we're in these possible situations. In verse 6, it says, but she had taken them up, the men, up to the roof and hidden them um, among the stalks of flax that she had arranged on the roof. In verse 8, Before the men fell asleep, she went up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and everyone who lives in the land is panicked because of you. So everyone, we've heard about you and we're afraid. For we have heard, this is verse 10, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out uh, when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two uh, Amorite kings, you completely destroyed across the Jordan. Verse 11, when we heard this, we lost heart, and everyone's courage failed because of you. Now remember, in chapter 1, the Lord is exhorting them, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And we see here in chapter 2, that their reputation of the Israelites had gotten to the people of Jericho and they became panicked because they heard about everything that the Lord had done for them. And they lost heart and everybody's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. And so here's Rahab the prostitute saying, I know 
that your God is the God in heaven and the God on earth. <clears throat> Verse 12. Now, please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my father's family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them and save us from death. She's negotiating, right? So she's saying, look, I save you, you save me. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. You know? And so the two men, they agree to this. They absolutely agree to this. But they have a proviso. In verse 17, it says, the men said to her, we will be free from this oath you made us swear unless... When we enter the land, you tie this scarlet cord to the window through which you let us down. So scarlet is red. So we've got this red rope. And, there, and, and so uh, Rahab's father's place is, uh, so you have the city wall that's around the city. And uh, uh, houses, apartments, whatever you want to call it, are part of the wall. And so they said, okay, uh, we're going to come down out of the window outside of the wall. So we're going to be outside of the city because we're outside of the wall. You leave this cord attached to the window and that will let my people know to let your people alone. And so, but you got to leave it there because we don't leave it there. No promises. And so she agrees to that. And so we moved on to chapter three. Uh, so Joshua started early the next morning and left uh, the Acacia Grove with all the Israelites. And so after he sent the men over into Jericho, they get up the next morning and they all go to the banks of the Jordan. And so we're talking about, about at this point, about two and a half to three million people. There's a lot of folks. Okay, so they're all on the banks of the, of the Jordan. And Joshua tells them, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God carried before the Levitical priests, you are to break camp and follow it. Verse 4, but keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourselves and the Ark. Don't go near it so that you can see the way to go for you haven't traveled this way before. And so Joshua's saying, we've been all over this desert. We've been marching around it for 40 years, but we haven't gone this way before. And so the, the priests are going to be about a thousand yards out. That's about two thirds of a mile. You know, that's, that's a long way out. They're going to have the Ark of the Covenant with them <clears throat> and you are to follow them, but keep that distance because we haven't been this way before. So he's leading them in a direction that they haven't been before. And so many times that's what the Lord does, but we want to stay comfortable. So we want to stay with the familiar when he's trying to take us into something better. Okay. And so you got to recognize when that's happening in your life and don't succumb to it. In verse seven, the Lord spoke to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. So they know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. And so the Lord is telling uh, Joshua uh, that he is going to glorify him before the people so that they know that just like I was with Moses, I am with you. And they will see it, they will recognize it, and they will follow you. <clears throat> so we go on into verse 15. Now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season, but as soon as the priest carried the ark uh, as soon as the priest carrying the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge and the water flowing downstream stood still. So the priest's uh, feet touched the waters and it stood still, raising up a mass, uh, extending as far as Adam to the city next to uh, Zarethan. And so we see that they get there, the water stop. The, waters flow, the water flowing downstream into the Sea of Araba, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. 
And the people crossed opposite Jericho. So Jericho's on the other side. The people are crossing the Jordan opposite Jericho. Verse 17, the priest carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. So this is the second parting of waters. The first one was the parting of the Red Sea so that all the Israelite nation could cross over to escape from Egypt. Then the Lord closed the sea onto Pharaoh's army. Here he's, he's parting the Jordan River so that the people can cross on dry ground over into the promised land. <clears throat> and so then in, in chapter 4, we see that um, in verse 2, uh, the Lord tells uh, um, uh, Joshua, choose 12 men from people from the people, one man for each tribe, and command them, take 12 stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing, carry them with you, and set them down at the place where you spend the night. Now why? He says, take these 12 stones, and you're going to spend the night on the other side of the Jordan after you've crossed it, and place it in this place. In verse 6, it says, in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? You should tell them, the water of the Jordan was cut off in front of the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, when it crossed uh, the Jordan, the Jordan, the Jordan's waters uh, were cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. So we see that the Lord is very big on memorials. Why? Because we forget. We forget what he does for us. We forget what he's done for us. And then we go about our own way, doing our own thing and whatnot. And we just forget all about the blessings that have been bestowed on our lives and, and forget uh, you know, all about the Lord's place in our life. And so he's big on memorials. And, uh, and we should have memorials in our life that we should share with our families, you know, what the Lord has done, you know, when the Lord has done it, what it meant to us, what it meant to our families. Keep that at the forefront so people don't forget. People should never forget the things that the Lord has done for them so that they don't take his presence for granted. That should never happen. We should never allow that to happen. And so, and down in verse 14, we see, On that day, the Lord, as he promised Joshua, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him throughout his life as they had revered Moses. And so the Lord did what he had told Joshua he was going to do. And so with that, uh, we're going to pick up in chapter 5 tomorrow. And we will see you then. Bye-bye now.